Entrepreneurship and business tend to go hand in hand. It makes sense that it would, right? But what if I told you the entrepreneurial mindset could be applied to other places outside of a business venture? Could a student apply this mindset to do better academically? What about a single mom of three trying to budget for the month? The answer to both is yes. So maybe you do not desire to start a business and that's okay. But say that you don't have the entrepreneurial mindset, well, I beg to differ. My name is Dominic Lawson and this is The Startup Life. Let's begin. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother. Hey, Startup Nation. Do you enjoy the startup life? Now you can let the world know with gear from the show. Choose between the label yourself, make your own luck, and making money t-shirts to tell your story of your path of entrepreneurship. Click the link in the show notes to purchase. All right, Startup Nation. So I hope you're ready to receive some value today. Today, we're going to be talking about the entrepreneurial mindset and explaining, hey, who said anything about starting a business? So in the first segment, we'll talk about buying a house. Buying a house is definitely a business venture. Next, we'll talk about making a budget. All great businesses and households make budgets ahead of time. Right before the break, we talk about advancing your career, some things, some tips and tricks you can do in order to do that. We'll come back for break and then we'll talk about the art of the side hustle. Side hustle is one of those things that's growing in this golden era of entrepreneurship, if you will. After that, we'll talk about running an organization or an event. You know, a lot of times people, you know, have charities and things of that nature that they kind of want to put on. It really takes an entrepreneurial mindset in order to do that. And lastly, we'll talk about investing in the stock market. Honestly, this entrepreneur would not be where he is today without learning to invest in the market. So, Startup Nation, I hope you're ready to receive some great value today and let's take flight. Here in America, one of the biggest things that most people do in order to start that path of building wealth is buying a house. Real estate is the game, people. Real estate is the game, right? But one of those things about buying a house is that that you may not really understand that it really is a business venture. Think about it. You have this goal in mind. And then once you buy the house, you know, you have to like take care of the house and upkeep of the house. Right. And if you don't do that, then, you know, the the value of the house declines, much like a business. Of course, if you don't, you know, make sure you have the necessary checks and balances in the business, that business starts to decline in the valuation. A house is no different. Now, a lot of times, you know, you'll have a situation where like, you know, houses surrounding uh, your house would help, you know, will kind of lead to decline or the incline of the valuation. But a lot of things that you can do as a homeowner in order to raise the value of your house. For starters, one of the things you can do in maintaining or raising the value of your house is to keep it clean. A lot of times when you have uh, potential homeowners that come to the house and they see uh, you know, grit and grime and you know things all over the place and like maybe you know, places where it needs to be painted and uh, dilapidated like uh, eaves or something like that, that can really drive down not just the value of the house, but it can really drive away potential homeowners or potential people who want to buy a house, 
right? So, you know, they there are a ton of YouTube channels and tons of YouTube videos that you can go to in order to make sure you're doing the proper maintenance on the house. Because the thing is, is that this is a business venture. And like any business venture, you have to constantly grow and involve uh, the house for that matter, you know, and you definitely want to try to enhance the not just the interior, but definitely the exterior as well, because when a potential homeowner pulls up to the house, clearly that's the first thing they see. Right. They're going to look at the gate. They're going to look at the roof. They're going to look at the door. They're going to look at the yard. And so you want it really to look like they just rolled into Mayberry, just this nice, pristine looking um, piece of real estate that they're going to want to call home. And so in the real estate game, you know, you definitely want to put all types of value into the home. And the beauty of home ownership is that it's one of those things where, you know, in order to add value to the home, you can either pay money or you can pay with time. And so that's why you have places like a Home Depot or a Lowe's that are very lucrative businesses uh, that allow for the, uh, the, the DIYer or the do-it-yourselfer, if you will, or as we like to call it, the weekend warriors. Because you can literally take some time and about, I don't know, like 100 to $200 and really add, you know, some significant value to a home. Like I said, whether that be putting up a new fence or maybe making a patio in the backyard. And so all of this encompasses the entrepreneurial mindset because the thing is, is like you have this business venture or this house or this piece of real estate and you're adding value to it. No different than if you were adding products to your business or scaling a business, if you will. Right now, granted, real estate can be tricky when you're talking about the market and you're talking about, you know, valuations going up and down. It's no different than like a business. Right where the market fluctuates, right? So the market in the housing fluctuates as well. You know, I don't need to remind you of the housing bubble of 2008 and probably other housing bubbles before that. But the thing is, is that if you're willing to really do some due diligence or really put some work into your home or into buying a home, you understand that, you know, you're starting to create an asset. You're starting to add value to an asset, okay? And so understanding that truly is the mark of the entrepreneurial mindset. Startup Nation, it doesn't matter if you're a small business, a large business, medium-sized business, event planner, uh, you know, dog catcher, uh, <laughs> street sweeper. It doesn't matter. If you are going on a, some type of venture where money is involved, all successful ventures have a budget. I don't care if, you know, if even if it's just a, a home budget, right? You get like just a basic Excel spreadsheet that you create on your computer, you create a budget. And so the successful ones, the the FedExes and the international papers, and, you know, they'll tell you that creating a budget is everything because the thing is it allows you to forecast, you know, what's going to, you know, what you potentially think is going to happen in the future monetarily, of course, right? And so when you create a budget, it forces you to not only stick to the plan, but also not to overspend. Because no matter what you're doing, you know, going over budget usually isn't a good thing. Now, sometimes there are times where you make an investment or something like that and going over budget can work in your favor. But nine times out of 10, going over budget is not a good thing. So applying the entrepreneurial mindset of budgeting 
you know, outside of running a business can be a really good thing. So what does that look like? Well, one of the first things you want to do is track all of your spending, track all of your expenses. The thing is, like, you definitely want to know where all your money is going. One of the cool things that you probably have if you do online banking, no matter what bank you have, because usually banks are, you know, all pretty much the same, you know, when it comes to online banking. But a lot of times, if you have online banking, they have like this pie chart, if you will, right? And it'll it will break down, you know, based on your debit card purchases or your check writing ventures or whatever the case may be. There's usually a pie chart that tells you where your money is going. If you spent, you know, uh, 25% of your money on going out, if you spent 30% of your money on gas, if you spent 15% of your money on, you know, miscellaneous or whatever, that pie chart is a really great indicator of telling you where your money is going. And believe it or not, um, it can really tell you what you need to cut out, what you probably need to, you know, maybe even put more money towards, right? Because like I know some online banking features even tell you how much you're putting towards your savings. So making a budget uh, for a household is super important. And the first thing you definitely want to do is track your spending. Also, when creating your budget, you definitely want to define priorities. What's more important? Is gas more important or is food more important? Is going out to eat with the family more important or is maybe cooking at home more important? So when you allow for your budget to kind of dictate, not necessarily dictate, that's probably the wrong word. But when you allow for your budget to kind of guide you, if you will, to let you know where you're making your mistakes or where you're making, you know, making some good, smart monetary uh, choices, if you will. But, you know, when you define what the priorities are. That's a really great baseline to uh, defining your budget, what your budget should look like, and to reach your overall goals. Let's say you're trying to make that family trip to Disney World. A budget can really do that. And your budget, honestly, it, it's very simple. It, it's just, you know, expenses and then like income, right? It's no different than, you know, now granted, if you're like a large business or a small business, there's a little bit more complex, but all a budget is, is just really income minus expenses and then whatever is left over. That's basically all a budget is. And anybody, it's, it's simple addition and subtraction and anybody can do that. And if you take like your household budget seriously, it really is just another uh, aspect of the entrepreneurial mindset. Another thing about creating a budget, it is that it allows you to build a safety net. Remember we talked about how you uh, have expense, have an income and then you have expenses and then you have whatever's left over. Now, some people will have whatever's left over. They'll put that towards a savings contribution, this, that, and the other. And then you'll have other people like say a, a Dave Ramsey or other financial gurus who would tell you pay yourself first. So put the money in savings first and then pay all of your expenses. Startup Nation, I'm one of those people that I don't tell people how to spend their money. I don't tell people where they should, what they should buy, what they shouldn't buy, this, that, and the other. So one of those things where, you know, that's a choice that you have to make for yourself. When you have a budget, when you have to come to make that decision, it makes it a lot easier because you know everything is clearly defined, everything is on the table. And when you have a spouse, there's, you know, there's two heads are better than one, right? So when you have a spouse, you can make help make those decisions with that spouse. It makes that a bit easier for yourself and your household. 
And lastly, Startup Nation, when you're creating a budget, it it allows you to live within your means. Because the thing is, my God, like that online budgeting tool or that pie chart I was telling you about, it really is like a mirror being held up to your face from a financial standpoint, right? Because you get to see, oh, man, I spent a little bit too much at Taco Bell this month. Or, man, uh, Burger King is killing me. Or, man, I probably should cut back you know just a little bit on the on the uh, on the uh the grocery bill maybe we don't have to spend too much on snacks and beer or whatever the case may be startup nation out once again i'm not one of those people to tell you how to spend your money but like i said that pie chart if you will uh it, it's like holding up a mirror to your face and and it can really be a game changer in how you uh track your expenses and how you uh you know go forward monetarily but uh, the overall point I'm trying to make is that having a budget and sticking to a budget, it truly is the entrepreneurial mindset and is no different than any Fortune 500 company, even if it's just for your household. And Startup Nation, last thing before we go to break, you know, we talk about, you know, small business and entrepreneurship and starting a business, this, that, and the other. But honestly, one of the things you can do with the entrepreneurial mindset is advance your career in the nine to five that you already have. The thing is, is like, you know, People like go-getters and and people like people who are, you know, risk takers. Those are two attributes of an entrepreneur. And you can do those two things in your nine to five career. And so a few things that you can do in order to do just that and exhibit the entrepreneurial mindset, of course, is to reach out to someone you don't know. Mentors are a great asset, not just for the business owner, but for the, the person who's like at the entry level position right? Mentors have been where you're trying to go, or at the very least, they have a, a, a bird's eye view of where you're trying to go, okay? And so mentors are always leaving crumbs. They're always leaving these little tidbits of success. A lot of times businesses have mentoring programs. If your business, if your uh, job has a mentoring program, I highly suggest that you be part of that program, okay? And if your job doesn't have uh, a mentoring program, hell, make one. Like I said, that's part of the entrepreneurial mindset. Like, you know, if there's one of those things that it doesn't exist, create it or just create it on your, you know, create it on your own or create it just for yourself or create it for all of your peers. But I tell you this much, let's say if you did create that mentoring program uh, for the for the company, you could definitely put that on a resume when you go for that promotion and they'll definitely remember that. So think about that as you advance your in your career. Another thing entrepreneurs do is that they read. A lot of successful entrepreneurs read books, audio books, physical books, it does not matter. Or, you know, not necessarily books, but just like uh, articles or, you know, blog posts, or maybe they listen to podcasts like The Startup Life. The point I'm trying to make is, is that it's one of those constant tools of getting better, always in the lab, always working, always grinding to push yourself just a little bit further than your competition. In this instance, the competition are your peers, right? Like I know you may be friends and y'all clock in together and you talk about the game last night or what you did for the weekend. But at the end of the day, they are competition. And so having the entrepreneurial mindset allows you to understand that they are competition. Like I said, you may go to lunch, but they are the competition. Understand that. So when you are, you know, doing something like reading the books and you're getting insight from the Warren Buffetts and the Jeff Bezos of the world, right? 
you're getting insight that can put you ahead of your competition, right? So think about that as you dive into your nine to five. Another thing you could do is that, you know, even though you have your nine to five, uh, you know, you could start a podcast or you can start a blog. That's one of those things where it's like, you know, and it can be well within your field. Let's say you're a human resources guru and you're working in human resources, right? You can start a human resources blog. Now, granted, you know, since you work at the job, you have to, you know, and it's definitely if you're in human resources, you know, you got to keep certain names and company names out of the blog, this, that, and the other, but you can speak in generalities, right? And so what are you doing? You're doing nothing, any, you're not doing anything different than entrepreneurial does in establishing credibility in the marketplace, okay? So you can have, there's plenty of people who have like these top level executive jobs that have like very successful blogs on LinkedIn or WordPress or, you know, or, or even on their website. Some of them have like entire websites, you know, with their name on it uh, that they have these successful blogs with. And that is an asset in, in trying to advance your career. Like you go before that promotion or you go for another job and you say, yeah, I love what I do so much. I, I, I dedicate a lot of my time outside of the job doing something about it, like with the podcast or with the blog. You think that's not going to set you apart from your competition? It absolutely is because like nobody's, not everybody's doing that. How many, think about it. Let's say you go into an interview and there's six candidates, right? This person went to Brown and has been in human resources for 15 years. This person went to uh, Cal, no, uh, University of, no, it went to Cal Berkeley and they've been in human resources for 10 years, right? You know, and the thing is, is like, you know, those all those are the same. They're very similar. But what if you say, hey, you went to, I don't know, Rinky Dink State University and you've been in human resources for eight years, but you write a blog. You've been writing a a successful blog for like seven years and you have, I don't know, 15,000 followers. That's going to catch the person that's in front of you. That's going to like catch their ear. Because the thing is that that's what what that's going to tell them is that if you're spending so much time outside of the nine to five dedicated to this craft that you're applying for, that's going to that's going to tell them that clearly you must be good in the job itself. Clearly, you have a passion for the job itself. And that's going to that 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 could honestly be the one thing that gets you past the guy from Brown or the guy from Cal Berkeley or the woman from Cal Berkeley or whatever. Uh. But the thing is, it stands out. So when you have like this blog or you have like this podcast, that can really set you apart because it's one of those things where like if you put in that much grind and work on the outside, imagine what you're doing with not just in the job, but the time and the resources in that particular job. Also, uh, Startup Nation, if you're trying to advance a career, if you see a problem, offer a solution. Like, don't get me wrong, like, you don't want to come off smug like, you know, if that was me, I would just do this. You don't want to come off as a jerk. But what I am saying is that you want to be a helpful hand, right? You want to show people that you can offer solutions to big problems or small problems. Because the thing is, is that you're showing that you're going above and beyond the job description. And going above and beyond the job description can be a gift and a curse. I understand that. But the thing is, is that at the very least, you're creating this aura or you're creating this you're creating this reputation that you can be on the the inside or be on, you know, uh, a committee of some sort to solve problems within your organization. 
And people like that. People like problems being solved. I don't care where you are. You can be, you know, the highs of highs of lows of lows. People like when problems are solved. And so you can be an asset in your organization to do a nurse that. Like I said, it can be a bit risky because a lot of times people, you know, don't like to, you know, feel like somebody like an underling or somebody outside of what they do is offering solutions. The thing is that that says more about them than it does about you. And it, and if there's a risky part involved, hey, like I said, you're an entrepreneur in a nine to five. So it's like there's nothing wrong with that. We take risks. And that's all a part of um, the entrepreneurial venture or the entrepreneurial mindset. So don't shy away from it. Don't shy away from it one single bit. If you have a solution, offer it in a very respectful manner, whether it be face-to-face, email, does not matter, okay? Don't forget that. And lastly, Startup Nation, before we go to break, in advancing your career, have an entrepreneurial mindset, trying to you know advance your career, of course, ask for feedback. The thing is, here in the marketplace as entrepreneurs, our feedback is, you know, whether the customer buy a customer review, this, that, and the other. And it's kind of hard to do that if you're advancing a career. But ask your ask your uh, your superiors, like, you know, how am I doing the job? What can I do to get better? Ask somebody who, uh, you know, like that mentor situation we talked about earlier. Ask that person. Ask, you know, uh, somebody who's under you how you can get better or the very least how Would you, you know, uh, appreciate somebody treating them? Because a lot of times from promotions and raises and things of that nature, it hasn't sometimes it has nothing to do with the job. It could be just the type of person that you are. So asking like maybe the the building staff or the building engineer or the the front desk clerk, you know, how you're doing in your job can go a long way. And that's valuable uh, asset uh, to advancing your career. Uh, because that's the thing, you know, as we as entrepreneurs, we're always trying to get better, always trying to move forward. So, yes, Startup Nation, ask for that feedback, ask for that back and forth. So that way you can definitely make a uh, make some noise in your career and move up that corporate ladder. All right. So we're going to take a quick break. I hope you get great value from today's episode. Once again, my name is Dominic Lawson and you're listening to The Startup Life. a teacher looking for great resources look no further than our teaching with owls section of our website enjoy great lessons such as our mini lesson for the story of an hour or dive into the nixon presidency as part of our legacy series enjoy great peace of mind from our units as they are common core line click the link in the show notes to purchase all right startup nation so let's continue so probably my favorite one out of all of these 
uh, outside of buying the house, of course, is the, the thing is like the side hustle is great because it can honestly. And the thing is, is that there's so many things you can do as a side hustle. You have no idea. It's it's crazy. Like they have these lists, like 50 things you can do as a side hustle, a thousand things you can do as a side hustle. It's just one of those things like it's really upped to your imagination and with the entrepreneurial mindset that's all it is like you're only limited to your imagination so what are some things you can do as a side hustle i know a lot of people uh, drive for uber and lyft it's a great way to kind of supplement income from your nine to five like let's say you have the nine to five and uh you want to you know go home and have dinner and put the kiddos the bed this and the other maybe you want to i don't know drive for an hour or two you know, uh, at night, you know, to get some extra income, or maybe you do it right after work uh, to get a little bit of extra income, or you want to do it on the weekends, or you want to just do it strictly on the holidays, right? It's a great way to kind of supplement your nine to five income. Another thing you can do, you could, like we talked about earlier, you can write a blog or start a podcast, right? You know, you can get sponsors and you can sell items and this and the other. There's this story of this guy. He's he started a business and he was trying to get traction to the business. I think it was an insurance company and he was trying to get traction to the business. And so what did he do? He started a podcast about professional wrestling. Right. So he starts his podcast about professional wrestling. And then like during the breaks, like we have on a startup life, he would talk about, you know, get your insurance, life insurance, auto insurance, all that this type of jazz and then lo and behold the podcast itself actually took off into where he actually left the insurance job and then he just started doing that podcast started getting sponsorships this that and the other and he just talks about professional wrestling as his day-to-day job and that's kind of what i you know i i uh, when i mentor people about starting a business this that and the other i tell them to don't necessarily quit your day job, right? Well, this is what I say. I say that if you got this this idea that you just 100% believe in, you got this dream that you just 100% believe in, right? That is when I tell you, quit everything you're doing, quit your job and go after that thing. But if you're just one of those people who just like, look, man, uh, I'm just sick and tired of working for somebody else. Then that's when I would tell you, like, you know, start with a side hustle and then like phase out the nine to five and go into you know, to make the side hustle, the side hustle a full-time business. But if that's not your goal, then, you know, you really can't just have something on the side to kind of supplement that nine to five income. I've seen people do tax services. I've seen people do lawn care services. I've seen people uh, do, you know, walk the dog, mystery shop, babysit clean houses what the thing is is like it really is just up to your imagination some people tutor people uh some people consult you know you know uh, if if give the uh hr example i've seen some people who work at hr on a on a nine-to-five job and then consult startups on you know their hr responsibilities as a small business now i will say you know and i'm not a lawyer so you know go do your legal due diligence but you know you may get into murky waters about moonlighting or something like that be mindful of that but uh, outside of that it's just one of those things where it's like the side hustle could really be a stepping stone to like you like leaving nine to five altogether and starting a business or just a great way to supplement the income 
uh, that you already have from your nine to five. And like I said, it really is the mark of the entrepreneurial mindset. Another thing you can do with your newly found entrepreneurial mindset, if you will, is like, you know, let's say you have like this this cause that you just 100 percent believe in. Some people have breast cancer or the lupus, domestic violence you know, uh, mentoring kids, whatever the case may be, right? And so some people have either start organizations or they start like a charity event, if you will, right? You know, for that particular cause. And that's nothing more than a business venture. It really is because it takes marketing. It takes raising capital. It takes, you know, getting people to attend the the event or to uh, join the organization, you know, this, that, and the other. But that truly is the entrepreneurial mindset because there's so many things to think about when you're doing that because it really puts you in the mindset of running a small business. So, like, if you have, like, a charity event that you're putting on, right, like, you got to think about fundraising, right? You got to think about the venue to have the the event, you know, or if it's uh, like a continuous event, you got to you got to think about long term. If like the venue that you want for the event, if you can get the pricing down to, let's say, I don't know, let's say it costs one hundred dollars every time you use it. But let's say if you commit to using it 12 times a year, you can get it down to eighty dollars for every time you use it. Right. So that 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 skill of negotiating is nothing more than an entrepreneurial tactic. And so you have to think about tons of other things, getting permits. Like a lot of times people who want to have like a 5K or some type of run, you got to get permits so you can get the that part of the, the city or those streets shut down. Right. So, you know, and also social media planning and, you know, trying to, you know, are you going to hire people? You know, are you, you know, can you can you get family members to help you out with that? Or do you have to, like, actually hire personnel, you know, to do that? That that calls for the thing we talk about the second segment in the show budgeting. You got to budget for all that stuff. Right. And then also thinking about like a plan B. What if it what if it goes haywire? What if it goes amiss? What if something goes terribly wrong? Like you're like, let's say if you got food for the event, you got to think, you know, what if that dude shows up late? you know, delivering the food or if you have those type of things that you have to think about in order to put on a successful event is is literally like putting on a short term business or if it's an organization, you know, you know, you, you start to get into uh, nonprofits, 501c3s, things of that nature. And let me just dispel a myth right now. A nonprofit uh, somebody who runs a nonprofit is an entrepreneur. Somebody who a nonprofit is a business, first and foremost. It is for a good cause. And yes, you're raising money and you're trying to solve a problem or uh, bring awareness to a problem. But it is running a business. It is a business. And you need to make sure all your paperwork, I's dotted, T's crossed, 501c3's in place, board members in place, bylaws in place, charter in place, all those good things to make sure that you run a successful nonprofit. But if you're talking about like a charity event, like a 5K run or a banquet or something like that, you really have to keep those things in mind that you have to, you have to really be mindful of those things about your budget, about the the, the image you want to put out there, the social media presence, the marketing, the uh, who you're going to hire, because those things are super important in that event. Because if, if something goes wrong in that event, if you think, you know, 
it will be the instead of the annual, it'll be the first and only if you get it wrong. And it's just like running a business. Like if you don't do the fundamentals right, you will not be in business very long. So having that charity event or that organization uh, that you want to run is super important. And it really is the entrepreneurial mindset. And last but not least, investing in the stock market. Like I said earlier, investing in for me, investing in the stock market has made me a better entrepreneur. And honestly, you know, uh, when you invest in the market, you have a little fun with it. Like if you have shares in Apple and have shares in Google, you're like, you know, I own I own Apple. I own Google. Like, you know, it's like a small piece, of course. But it's one of those things where it's like you have to think about all the fundamentals and you have to be smart when you're investing. For example, let's say some news comes out about a company you're investing in or you're thinking about investing in and it, and, and the shares go up and down sharply. What do you do? Do you if, if it goes down sharply, do you go ahead and buy right then and there? If it goes up sharply, do you go, you know, go ahead and buy it then and there? Is it is it time to short sale? Is it time to get away from it altogether? The point I'm trying to make is that when you're investing in the market, you definitely have to make like executive decisions and you have to think and you have to do research. They always talk about the fundamentals, looking at the balance sheet, looking at the corporate structure of the business, thinking about the personnel. Like is the CEO who's running the company, does he have success in turnaround companies or he one of those people that's like, you know, uh, like he's there for the long term. Those things are, are you you have to be mindful of that. I know uh, another thing you have to be mindful of is understanding that is is the market uh, ready for the company that you're investing in? Is the market ready for the new product that the company you're already investing in, you know, is going to go all in on? Right. Let's say like what if the iPhone didn't take off for Apple? Apple probably wouldn't be the 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 big dog that it is today you know from a company standpoint from an investment standpoint and so honestly picking and choosing and understanding and when to invest when to pull out when not to invest really takes a business acumen it is is honestly kind of like running several companies at one time depending on how spread out your portfolio is right and that's another thing you also have to think about you know do you want to have all your money in tech? Do you want to have all your money in discretion, uh, consumer discretionary? Do you want to have all your money in healthcare, or do you want to have all your money in uh, in automobiles? Right, because that's one of those things where it's like if if you have all your money in auto automobiles, and you know you see that uh, there's a recall on a certain tire, and multiple automobile companies use that tire, what do you think is going to happen to your entire portfolio? Same thing with tech. If it's like a chip that like Apple uses, Android uses, Windows Phone uses, and all your money's in tech, and like that chip, that chip is you know goes haywire. Like, what do you think is going to happen to your entire portfolio? So understand, like having that diversified portfolio really matters. Just like a business, you want to have a diversified cadre of products and services, just in case. Now, I'm not saying have the tax service and the lawn care service, because you know from a previous episode how I feel about stuff like that. But what I am saying is like within your your sphere of influence, within your sector, have a diversified levels of income or streams of income. Uh, it can go a long way. So like, so you see, those two really are the entrepreneurial mindset. And when investing in the market, 
that's super important. I see a lot of people all the time going chasing money. So like, let's say when Snapchat IPO'd, Everybody was like, oh, I want to go to Snapchat, go to Snapchat, go to Snapchat, buy Snapchat, buy Snapchat, right? And, you know, there was a few of us who uh, who, who watched the markets and who paid attention to the core and the fundamental of Snapchat. We was like, nah, that's a that's a bad look. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't invest in Snapchat. But the people who maybe not so investment savvy and, you know, they know they love the company, but they invest in Snapchat. And so, you know, those of us who do invest in the market is like, no, don't go into Snapchat because for, for starters, we know if you've been to pay attention to Snapchat, it's never been profitable. And then you think about the future of Snapchat and, you know, you know most of its revenue comes from, from ads. And so they've, you know, and like what's the main product that they have that's generating revenue. And so when you look at the fundamentals, which is what they call it in the investment world, and you see like that's that's a bad bet. Like, don't get me wrong. Investing in the market is risky. There is no guaranteed returns, but there's a difference between difference between just throwing your money at something you like and making calculated risk. You know, not investing in Snapchat is a calculated risk in the regards of what if we're wrong? What if Snapchat like they have the the, the glasses or whatever they're trying to develop and it really takes off? That means I missed the boat. Ask Gary V about Uber, you know, ask plenty of people about, you know, as hell, ask uh, Lycos. Uh, if you remember from the 90s that uh, those website engine Lycos, ask Lycos about Google when they went and asked, you know, when Google said, hey, we'll sell you this company for like, you know, like to now pennies. Right. But like, you know, at the time, you know, it wasn't really worth much. And now we all know how valuable Google is. We're they're They're knocking on the door a thousand dollars per share if they're not already there just yet. And so. When you invest in the market, you have to be mindful and do the research on the companies that you're investing in. And so it's like it's no different than like investing in your own company. You have to be mindful of the market. You have to be mindful of your products and services. You have to be mindful of how what image you want to put out there, the branding. It's no different. So, you know, think about that, you know, as you invest in the market. Here's my final take. The entrepreneurial mindset is not exclusive to running a business. I know on this show and you see on social media entrepreneurs who try to, you know, make people who are not entrepreneurs feel bad. And let me be the first to tell you, like, we should really stop doing that. We should really stop telling people uh, who aren't entrepreneurs that, you know, uh, you know, you're being stupid for working for somebody. Why would you ever do that? This, that and the other. The thing is, like, not everybody wants to start a business. Not everybody, unfortunately, is cut out to start a business. And they know that. They stay in their lane. But just because you don't want to start a, you know, a traditional entrepreneurial venture or you don't want to start a business does not mean you don't have the entrepreneurial mindset. Buying a house is, the entrepreneur, is part of the entrepreneurial mindset. Making a budget. Advancing your career. Start the side hustle like we talked about running an event or organization or like I said, invest in the market. All of that is the entrepreneurial mindset because the entrepreneurial mindset really isn't about starting a business. It's about solving a problem. You know, with buying a house, you want a, you know, the problem is you want a nicer house or you want a house in general. If you're like, you know, that you want to own if you're already renting, right? That solving the problem is buying the house or if you already have the house, making making advancements on the house to raise the value or if you're, you know, trying to figure out where the hell is all my money going? That's the problem. Making the budget is solving that problem. And so 
as entrepreneurs, if you're listening to this startup nation, we stop making people feel small if they're not traditional entrepreneurs. Okay, stop making people feel like they're wasting their life because they don't start a business venture. Because the thing, the fact of the matter is, the where they are in their life right now, in the space that they're in, they are entrepreneurs. They just use that tool differently. So that's going to do it for this episode of Star of Life. I hope you got great value from uh, the entrepreneurial mindset. I really believe that everybody has that mindset. Everybody has the ability to solve a problem. So I wish you much success as you go forward on your entrepreneurial journey, whatever that may look like. If you want to let us know what you think about the show or would like to advertise on our show, send us an email using the address in the show notes. Subscribe to The Startup Life as it can now be heard on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and SoundCloud. And hey, if you have an idea, be about that life, The Startup Life.